Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. It is Friday and you know what that means. It's time to party. It's time to celebrate. It's time to get some therapy. You weren't expecting that, were you? I got my man, Rob G., sports card therapist, on the pod today. He's a content creator in the hobby. I've been on his show a couple times. I'm enjoying what he's doing. He's got a nice Instagram presence. I love bringing on people with a professional skill set and talk about how they use that skill set in the hobby. And Rob does that. Make sure you check him out. If you like what I'm doing over here, Hit that subscribe button. Leave a review. Why don't you tell a damn friend that you're enjoying the Stacking Slabs podcast? Happy freaking Friday. Let's roll. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I am excited to be joined by another content creator, another passionate collector. I have my man, Rob, sports card therapist on the other side here. He's got an awesome podcast. I've been a guest on it two times. Um, I'm enjoying what he's doing. And I felt like, you know what, Rob, let's get you on the show. Let's talk cards. Let's talk about your show um, and see where this goes. But without further ado, Rob, how are you this evening? Uh, Brett, I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you having me on, man. I am, I am extremely humbled to be on your show. Just from the top, uh, we were talking about a little before we hit record, but you know, we, this doesn't happen too often, but we're both on here and it's, it won't be long lived. I'm sure. But you and I are both in this week of the NFL celebrating victories as I'm a Colts fan, won on Thursday night. You're a Giants fan. You won on Sunday Sunday um, at 1 o'clock. How, how does it feel to celebrate a victory? I know we're not world beaters right now or anything, but it feels good, doesn't it? It does feel good. But I'll tell you, man, I, when it comes to my Giants, I, I, am, oh, I am such a pessimist when it comes to my Giants, man. It's over the last, I would say, 16, 17 years, we had two seasons where we caught fire at the right time and walked away with rings. And and I'll forever live off those years. I really can't. I'll eat forever off those seasons. But other than that, man, like I was telling you before, every yard feels excruciating. Like we can barely put together first down sometimes. So as a Giants fan, it's, it's been really rough. It's funny you say that when I we were watching Red Zone my wife and I, and I said to her there, they show the giants clip. And I was like, you know, what's funny about the giants. It's like this squad has won two super bowls in recent memory. But when you look at the giants, like you don't think like domination or world beater, they just are one of those teams. Like you said, that just caught fire one time here in Indianapolis where stacking slabs HQ is located. Um, But they just caught fire at the right time. But I love your mindset. It's like, once you win a Super Bowl and even two, it's like you got to sit back and eat on, eat on it, enjoy it, because a lot of t- a lot of fans and a lot of teams can't can't uh, be a part of something like that. So I'm yeah, I'm kind of curious what what the average listener, average sports fan would like. Would he prefer just many, many, many losing seasons, but two random Super Bowls, or would he prefer team like yours that 
has won one ring, right, with Peyton, but every year for just what feels like decades was really just dominating. You guys had a winning season every single year. So every year you guys had teams that you were going out there and rooting for. So would you prefer a couple random rings in losing seasons, or would you prefer a winning team and no Super Bowls? I think if you're giving me the opportunity to to have another Super Bowl, I'm going to take it and suffer through what other misery is on the other side. You know what it feels like. There's nothing like it as a fan. The confetti comes down, your team's standing tall. And it's almost, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it right now. It's almost an unbelievable feeling. And it's like the collecting, right? So it's now as a, a collector, when I, when I collect stuff, I want to collect stuff from that Super Bowl year, players who were around then, because it all immediately ties me back to that moment of being in college Colts versus Bears. Half of my house was Bears fans. The other half was Colts fans. And, you know, pouring rain, right? I mean, like Prince playing purple rain at halftime. Oh, my God. I just got the goosebumps. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like those are moments you never forget. And I think, yes, there was a lot of winning seasons over here. But the one season that always stands out is the season that we won the Super Bowl. So although the Giants haven't been ultra successful, uh, you, you did get two, and Eli was the man at the helm there. So that's that's something I think you can hold on to for the for the end of time. Hall of Famer. I don't care what anyone says. Eli is a Hall of Famer. When it mattered most, this guy had ice in his veins. He would go into Green Bay. He would go no matter where he would have to go, ice cold playoff games, and he would ice in his veins. Love well, him. I- and I think you got, I mean, there's the Tom Brady factor too, right? Like he, like he beat, like he beat Brady. Okay. So like yep. to me, multiples, like almost solidifies it. The fact that Brady, like that puts it over the top. And I would, I don't know if they'll end up giving him first ballot or not. Probably not. Maybe they will, but I certainly think he's a justified hall of famer. And he's staying relevant by talking to my guy on Monday nights and making Monday night football more entertaining than it was before. I tell you what, I don't think I've ever really put that together, man. I like, like you and I, we definitely have a, a like a cool connection going. And, uh, but the fact that both of our guys are Mannings, that's that helmet behind me signed by Eli. So just the, you know, like in Peyton, like we, we had the Manning brother thing going. I never realized that till now. <laughs> podcast bros manning bro fans um that's what we do over here um well well, we could talk football forever and maybe we we can we'll continue throughout this conversation but i'd love to maybe highlight uh your show from the top and just your your professional background i think i always like to talk about unique skill sets that we all have in the hobby we all come from different uh backgrounds we all have different skills and i've always found like the more we lean on our professional skills and in and, and apply them to the hobby, the, that makes us kind of a differentiate that gives us some differentiation and a, an advantage. And then also like something that we can share with other people and people can learn from you. I think you being a therapist is interesting. There's a lot there that I think we could probably talk about just on like your background, how it applies to the hobby, but maybe like start with like what exactly you do and then maybe how that kind of gets infused in your show. Yeah, so I'm a by day I'm a licensed therapist. I, uh, you know, I work with a lot of individuals struggling with mental health, maybe addiction issues, 
I do some work inside the prison system. I do some work with the homeless population. And uh, I'm not the typical therapist. I think when people think of therapists, I think they think of like cardigan sweater, you know, a nice office with mahogany all around and, and whatnot. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fully tatted up. I ride a Harley Davidson, uh, you know, so I'm like, I'm, I'm definitely not the typical therapist, but, um, but yeah, I definitely bring a lot of the self-help and the mental wellness to my collecting. And it was able to, I think, transfer over nicely into, into a podcast form. And, and that was something that I had no idea if anyone was going to have any interest in listening to, because I think when people think of therapists or when people think of therapy, it, it's kind of looked at in a negative light. It's almost looked at as like a weakness. If someone has a therapist, I have a therapist. I personally have a therapist and cause I believe all the best therapists should have a therapist. So, but I think when you apply mental wellness and you apply balance, and that's something that I'm always preaching in, in my profession and in my collecting is really having a balance. And, uh, so yeah, I think it, it, it kind of, you know, melds together nicely. I love the talk on just like mental health, mental health awareness. Obviously you're the type of guy who's in it every day, maybe like touch on this. And like, this is something that I've had to learn just over the course of time, just in with interacting in the hobby where I, I want to like, when I'm in the hobby, it's my escape and I want to have fun and I want to interact with people and share information and share in the passion. Um, but sometimes, you know, you run into the situation where someone on the other side isn't really nice or someone on the other side doesn't seem to be enjoying the hobby as much as you. Um, and maybe they always have a negative tone to what they're saying. I think for me, just in terms of like putting the mental health out there, it's like I always have to tell myself it's like and I've been someone and I've said this just throughout my social pages and, you know, on this show, it's like, you know, I've, I've struggled with mental health stuff throughout my life. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad at this point, I'm in a good track and, you know, I've, I've sought help and all of that stuff and I'm in a really good place. But I think it's this mindset that I think we should all have is just that like other people that we're interacting with might not be okay. And like, instead of like maybe piling onto them or blasting them or like reposting and saying these people aren't great or whatever, like, maybe we should start recognizing the fact that maybe they're going through some struggles and maybe that's, I, and I don't necessarily know what the way, way we can make it better in the hobby. And maybe you have some, some ideas or thoughts, but I think that's just something I wanted to throw out there. Not everyone, it's not an equal playing field and we just need to be thoughtful that everyone might not be in, in the a similar spot as us. Yeah, man. And I really don't know what else I can say after that, because you, you pretty much hit everything right on the head. I think that, you know, it's one of those, you know, cliche things like we are all fighting our own individual invisible battles and you never know what the next person is going through. And, and I know one thing that I've, I've tried to pride myself on in my profession, and I think it's really transferred over into the hobby as well is that I am always trying to find ways to empower people. And I don't even just mean with like these false compliments, like these blanket statements, but you know, just, just like truly trying to, you know, empower people. I want people to feel good when they walk away. I want people to be like, damn, man, that, you know, Rob, you know, I feel better when I'm talking to Rob kind of thing. And it can go to something as small as someone messaging me about a trade or asking me if I want to do this instead of just saying no, 
I could be like, you know what? I think I'll pass, but you have some fire cards, you know, and I'll use like the fire emoji. Like, and I, and I like telling people that like you have some heat because to an extent, everyone really does have some heat, even if it's just base entry level cards, um, because people with these five and six figure cards that they have could be looking at my cards and rolling their eyes because I don't have six figure cards. But, you know, if they were like, yo, Rob, you got some heat, man, keep it up. You know, just this morning, I said to someone in the DM, I said something like, man, you're coming up. Keep it up. You know, you're you're on your way. I think that was the term I used. I said, I'll pass, but you're definitely on your way. You have some fire. And they were like, thanks, exclamation point. I don't know if that made, you know, but it's nice to do that. I want to empower people. I love that so much. And that's just such a good mindset. And it's amazing the little things and the way you respond and react to people, how one, a compliment can make it make someone's day and two like yeah you might not be interested but the way that you come back to them i think all of that stuff matters and you t- said something there that i maybe want to touch on and maybe we can talk about it from like a, a mental health perspective but like so much it feels like at the time in the hobby is like this keeping up with the joneses vibe where it's like you know someone posts you know five figure six figure card and it's just like almost like a pissing contest in a way where everyone's doing it But like the fact of the matter is, is like the large majority of the hobby isn't there yet and maybe doesn't even realize that like the people who are there have been doing it for a decade, decade plus, and it takes time. But all of a sudden new people come in and they feel like the the headlines and all the auction sales are all these banger cards. Like what, what's the balance? And like, what do you think like the community can do to help educate on that? Because if you're not aware that isn't like realistic expectation, like to go out and join the hobby or be in the hobby for a year and own all these, you know, grail cards, like that can probably have some negative, negative mental health side effects. Kind of what are your thoughts on that? Another great question, man. Uh, You know, something that comes to mind is maybe I know what I try to do and and don't get me wrong. It's part of my whole show brand as well, but it's to be as transparent as I can with my deals, right? So it's to show it's like, I'm not just posting a four figure, five figure card. What I'll say, you know what, on the podcast, I'm going to talk about the entire deal, how I was able to make moves. I remember when I bought my first uh, Hulk Hogan wrestling all-star card, um, I had talked about my pod, how I, you know, spent a grand on that. I didn't just have a grand sitting there ready to go. So I won the bid for a grand. And then I was like, oh, shoot, let me scramble. And I had to go into my PC and sell a couple of bronze. So, so people, and I shared that story and I really got a lot of cool feedback from that on, on Instagram and on the pod, because it's not just like, oh, this guy's got a grand to just drop on a card. I was like, no, I actually had to scramble and move some cards in order to do so. So I think maybe it's hard to ask anything of anyone, but if I could give any suggestion, it would be maybe show a little bit more transparency and how they were able to get to that point. Because some of these collections are like, they just seem impossible to obtain. I don't know how they can do it. I, I love what you said there about the card. And I, I talked a little bit about this recently, but like sometimes what, what grade is your Hogan in? So I actually have two. I paid a grand for both of them raw and one came back a four, one came back a 2.5. When you bought them, did one look better than the other? Like, were you, did they hit your expectations or did you, what were your thoughts? 
when they came I mean, back. I mean, I was really hoping for a seven on that floor. <laughs> yeah, right. I was really like, <laughs> I, I was this front and back. This thing looks really nice. I, I'm still baffled how it came back before, but, but I mean, you know, it's my four. So the, I'm, I'm totally I'm, the ulcers are so hard, man. You get like when I got him back to, it was like a four. Sometimes it looked like, uh, it looked like it could be a seven. And then I sent it to someone and they point out, well, no, look at this. So, it's all an education thing. But I think what you said is important. It's like sometimes like I love the transparency component. Sometimes it's like there's a card you want and you need and maybe you don't have the cash flow right now. So it's like you, you go buy it, you maybe put it on a credit card or whatever, but then you your cash is in your card. So then it's like, all right, well, I've spent this cash in, the, in these cards and I got some LeBron cards. Well, now I, I like these cards, but I like the Hogan better. So I'm going to get rid of these LeBrons to, to help fund the, the Hogan purchase, right? Yeah. And I tell you, that's what I loved so much about your episode a few weeks ago with how you're spending money. And I think you had, I think you had either teased the day before on Instagram what the show was going to be, or maybe I saw it in the car the morning it dropped and said, dude, we're going to get a peek behind the curtain and how Brett spends his money, man. I really want to hear this because, you know, it's always reassuring to hear that someone like you or someone in the hobby that maybe we see or listen to from afar, it's reassuring to know you literally go through the same exact crap I do, moving money around, watch list on eBay being completely full. So you got to go through, unwatch a bunch of things because you want to watch new things, you know, and just how you're kind of moving money. I mean, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. So to hear that we all go through the same financial card stuff the same it's it's pretty cool bro there's no money tree out back as much as i wish there was and i could just do spend as much as i want always on cards and have zero restraint that's not realistic so i had no idea like how it worked until but you you have a show you have a show and you talk to people and you learn and you figure out oh wow they're doing this like i could do this so that's maybe where i wanted to go to next is just like you have a show, you've had some awesome guests, some guests I've had, I've learned from some guests that I ha- I've i never had or didn't know about. Um, like for you having a show, I've always said it's kind of like a hobby hack. Like what kind of things are you learning and how inspired are you by just the guests you're having on on a regular basis? Oh man. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm truly humbled by some of the guests I have, you know, and, and because a lot of these guests are people that I, you know, look up to in the hobby, you know, just because of things that they've accomplished, maybe cards and collections that they have, whatever the case. But if there's one thing that I realize is that if you have not been in this for years and years, do not expect to have the collection of people that have been in for years and years. And that's something that I have to remember. Now I can definitely move my way up, you know, and like we've talked about is like level up, we can continue to do that, but you need to be willing to put in the time, be willing to put in the work and, uh, and do that, you know, because like you said, comparing yourself to the Joneses, man, ah, that's the worst thing you could do. And what was the quote you used on one of your episodes? Was it a, uh, a Theodore Roosevelt quote? Um, yes. Uh, um, comparison it, uh, is the thief of joy. Was that you, there? You just, you just got it, man. You've got a, you've got a great memory. You must be a therapist or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, I remember, I remember when you had said that in an episode, I remember where I was to us pulling into a deli. I was listening to your episode and, and, and that quote came on and I was like, dude, I like that man, because it's true. It's true. You know, you think about 
if you're sitting there and you're looking at the next man, the next man's wife, if he has a more attractive wife than yours, all of a sudden now you start looking at yours like, damn, why can't I have that? You know, and then all of a sudden it's like, but you don't want to know the headache that comes with that, though. So, you know, you know the headache you have now. So stick with the headache you have now. That's exactly right. I love that. And I, I love, I always think about it uh, when I'm having these conversations. It's like I bring people on that I want to learn from. And then, yeah, there's people out there that hopefully can learn from them too. So um, I think that's a benefit. And I always encourage people if you, you don't, like you got to start somewhere. If you have a unique perspective and take on the hobby and you want to go start a show, you want to go create some content, like you don't necessarily need to have a podcast. Maybe you can have a podcast, but like, can start with some Instagram posts or stories and then evolve. So I think we're at a place right now where premium content is needed. We need people to educate. And that's why I've enjoyed your show. Your new guy that relatively newer on the scene, who's creating some good content that I think is benefiting the greater good. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. And, and I know on my, on my show, I've given you your flowers. So I'll do the same on your show, man. Uh, you know, you are definitely someone that I listened to early on you know, when you had first come out and, you know, there were a handful of shows I listened to and, and, and you're one of the few that I, you know, continue to listen to. And I think it's because there's genuine realness to you and the stuff that you do, you know, I've never gotten any kind of negative vibe or negative energy from, from you or your show, man. And I'm sure your listeners agree. I appreciate that, man. It's the hobby. It's supposed to be fun. And I think transparency always wins. I want to talk about, now we talked about your show. I want to talk about you going to shows. You've got a daughter. She's a little older. I just had one. So I'm kind of tied down to the house right now, but I'm seeing you and all these other people's at, people at shows. And it seems like so many people are at shows everywhere, which is fantastic. And it's awesome. And people are making deals one-to-one, um, how the hobby really was constructed. And I'm getting kind of itchy. And I wish I could be out there, but I know you're out there, you're setting up. I'd love to maybe hear a little bit more about like things you're seeing, things you're learning, like how's the in-person show experience going for you? Unbelievable. And I tell you what, you know, I, just to kind of bring it to like a bigger life situation real quick, and I'll get to you, I'll definitely get to your question in a second. But today I was actually, I'm sitting there, I'm in prison with a I'm bunch of prison. guys. I'm, I'm sitting there with a bunch of inmates, you know, and, uh, <laughs> And we're talking about group and, you know, we're talking about life. And, and I started drawing like, um, like a chain with links on the, on the uh, board. And I said, guys, I believe I'm the sum of every person I've ever met in my life. I said, and sometimes people are in our life for a lifetime. And sometimes are in our life for a season, for a reason. And if just one of those chains, one of those people in my life was not there at that moment, that chain would look a lot different. I could have ended up being an electrician. You know, if, if an electrician came in my life at the right time and schooled me, I might be an electrician today. So the same could be said for shows. Let me tell you, as a collector, every show I attend truly, truly molds me into the collector I am. And, and I'm able to take what I learn from shows and really bring that to my content as well. So before national, I already knew I'm going to national in Chicago, right? Where I saw you. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to national. I just got a huge submission back from SGC. 
I'm going to test the waters. I'm just going to go to a show because I was going down to New York City. I actually had a tattoo appointment. So I'm like, I'm going down to New York City for the day. I have my appointment. I'm going to stop at a show on the way. I'm going to bring my cards. Who knows what will happen? So I go there and I meet this kid. He's a dealer. I say kid. He's probably like 30. And he's like, yeah, this is only like my fifth show. It's pretty cool. He's like, yeah, look, there's the promoter over there. Talk to him if you ever want to set up. I'm like, no, I'm not setting up. And if you listen to the early podcast episodes I did, I always said, I always felt like it was the dealers against the collectors. It was almost like, how can I get what they have? you know? And by going to that one show in Norwalk, Connecticut, before going to national, that planted the seed in my head that, you know what? This kid just told me I could be a dealer. So I go to national. Before you know it, I start getting the itch. I come back to Connecticut. I start setting up at shows and I start really building up I'm building up communications. I'm building up relationships. I'm meeting people. And then all of a sudden people are coming to me with cards at shows and they're like, Hey, I have these cards. And I'm like, and I could choose to buy them or I could choose to say, Hey, I like this. Do you want to trade? Or I could say no, but either way I have been able to level up to such a quick pace that I'm blown away by it. And it's because I'm putting myself in position by being at shows and it's unbelievable. And I, I did a podcast episode um, a few weeks back and I did an Instagram post. It was like my pie. And it was like, these are the five parts that for me that truly make up the hobby. And one of those parts was shows. And shows to me are so important. It's one thing to be balls deep on Instagram. It's another though, to be balls deep at shows as well. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And so I've never been on like the dealer side of it. What like what specifically have you learned that you might not have learned or might not have known as just like an attendee setting up as a dealer? Like, what are some of the things that um, you've kind of t- you've taken with you from that experience? Well, let me just say I'm not a professional by any means. I think I've only set up now at seven shows, but it's been seven shows in about three and a half months. So I'm I'm really and I now I have a permanent table once a month at a show. So I'm pretty psyched about that. But one thing that I'm learning is that I think, first of all, the wrestling cards just always stop people dead in their tracks. And I'm going to use your analogy and your quote that you always use. You say it's an interrupt on people's routine. Is that what you say? When, when a pattern, pattern and- <laughs> a pattern interrupt. And that's exactly what it is, man. These seeing these wrestling cards in a showcase is a pattern interrupt. Man, the conversations that people strike up is unbelievable. And another thing I'm realizing is like, listen, people do not want base. They do not want base at all. Base is a really good entry level, but they don't want base. They want these big boy cards. They want these big cards and they a lot of them want to trade into them, which is fine if it's something you want to do. And the goats speak for themselves. So I haven't learned anything that's completely mind-blowing, but what I have learned is that If you have something unique that most people don't have in their cases, I think my wrestling cards get more people to stop in their tracks than a Herbert or Mahomes on card auto. I I don't, that doesn't surprise me. It's just different. And I think being unique, I think wrestling cards are so small at this point that if you have them and you're at a show, you've got a competitive advantage where you'll get attention at least. And right. That's half the battle is just getting attention. And so I think that's why I always preach on just like, if you're passionate about it and it's something that 
you know, brings you nostalgia or joy, like just because not a lot of other people are collecting it or it doesn't appear that way. doesn't mean you don't have to, if it makes you feel something, go for it. Listen, I got to touch base on, on your PSA submission that you just got <laughs> back, man. Okay. Let me tell you something that Andre, the giant that you posted the other day. Okay. PSA 10. I probably have like 10 of those, right? I probably have like 10 of those cards. I don't have a PSA 10 though. And we all know what a PSA 10 means to the hobby. We know what it means to the community. And that Andre the Giant PSA 10 in 40, 50 years, that thing is going to be worth a lot of money. I've talked about it, but just 171 wrestling cards sent in. um, Basically, 1991 and earlier. We all know like the condition, sensitivity, all of that stuff. So I, man, I think out of all of those, I think I had maybe six total tens and that Andre was one of them. But I love that game about wrestling cards. And I know a lot of vintage collectors go down this rabbit hole. It's like, yeah, like there's fewer cards, but like get into the pop reports. And then that Andre card. Yeah. You said you have 10. There's only five that's PSA 10. So it's like, I believe it. That's a way to collect that a lot of people, I think, don't talk about it enough. It's like the 82 All-Stars. That's the whole game, right? It's it's how can you level up to get the higher grade of each of those cards? And I just think, to me, that's fun. That's a fun way to collect. But I have an appreciation for like the grade and the process. I think some people might not, but in the wrestling card segment, that's a, that's a really fun avenue to go down. Absolutely, man. And when you submitted that, that was $12 um, a card to PSA? Well, here's the life cycle of that. So submitted it in September 2020. It was marked in the system November. It started going through the process of February, and I got it back in October of 2021. Now, right, it's one of those things where you know, it comes, then there's a charge. So you get hit with a charge, which wasn't, it was expensive, but it, I, I couldn't imagine what it would be, what it will be in the future when they go back to bulk subs. So I look at it and I'm like, it's a steal to me. There's none of these cards are on the market right now. And so I looked at my cards and I just said, okay, well, I know I'm going to sell some of this stuff off, but like, what is the card I can put up for auction right now that I might cover the cost of it? And I just, knowing the Brady market, I put up a Brady and the Brady sold and went nuts and covered the cost of the whole submission and then some. And so like that, like gamification within your own collecting, submitting, buying, selling, dealing, like not everyone's doing what I just did the way I did it. And people are all doing their own thing. But I think the power is in talking about it and sharing and inspi- mm-hmm. hopefully inspiring someone to go through the process because like, yeah, like I, I didn't want to pay, you know, the 2100 or whatever it was PSA bill, but it's really not that overwhelming. If you look at your cards or look at the cards you get back and be like, you know what, like I can cover this with one auction. You know what I mean? Yeah. And without a doubt, man. And, and that's what I love about, first of all, when you discuss that at the end of one of your episodes a week or two ago, you discussed the, the PSA, you discussed how you move the Brady, all that. And that's a big part of the reason why I share a lot of my flips, right? Like, like my flip that I did actually when I met you at National, the flip I was. Are you talking about the Bill Russell? Yes. Yeah, share the Bill Russell here. So I would say 
about a month and a half before national, I went on eBay and I bought a Justin Herbert optic rated rookie raw for 50 bucks. So I take that card for 50. I sent it in the SGC to get graded. So that's 30. So now I'm into this card for 80 bucks total. It came back at 10. So the PSA 10 was going for 350. So what do I do? I mark 350 on my SGC 10. I go to national. So I'm walking around with my trunk of cards. I have this Herbert SGC 10 that I have marked as 350. I see this dealer who's got this Bill Russell on card auto jersey numbered PSA 8. He's asking 600 for it. And I didn't really think anything of it at the time, but I just struck up a conversation. With I think it was like 20 minutes after I met you too. So if I never met you, I might not have ever wandered over to this guy's booth. That chain link thing I'm talking about, how every event leads us to our next life, you know, the, our next big event. So I'm talking to this guy. I ended up talking to him for about an hour. He was a dealer from Florida. He was actually sharing a table with his buddy. His buddy was the big dealer. He was just kind of sitting in a corner. He had like half of a case. Anyways, after an hour of talking to him, I go, that Bill Russell's been talking to me for the last hour. He started laughing. I go, are you up for any trades? He's like, well, let me see what you got. So I pull out the Herbert. He goes, huh, you know what? I might take that Herbert for a trade. I said, you know what? Would you knock 50 bucks off the Bill Russell? I'll give you the Herbert and I'll give you 200 cash. He goes, yeah, I'll do that. So I was into that card for 80. I paid an extra 200 in cash. So now I got this Bill Russell auto jersey numbered PSA 8 for 280 bucks. I take that card. I'm in love with this card. I'm posting on Instagram. I'm like, this was my pickup. I love this card. So after about a month or so, I'm like, I'm going to put it on eBay. I'm just going to, I don't sell cards on eBay. I'm just going to put what, it. On what was the brand of the Bill Russell? I think it was a Topps Chrome. It was a okay. Topps Chrome. It might've been refractor, um, but yeah, Topps Chrome. So I posted on eBay and it sells for 1982. <laughs> and I re and I remember that exact price because I was born in 1982 and 1982 All-Stars. So 1982 it sold for. And the guy that bought it, his name was, his eBay name was Celtics One, number one. So I'm like, well, this guy must have been an avid Celtics fan. He lived in Houston. That's where I sent the card. Avid Celtics fan. And it's a jersey number, Bill Russell. So I guess it makes sense. Jersey number does matter. So I take that 1982. And I then go ahead and purchase a Tom Brady Bowman Chrome rookie raw off eBay for $1,800. So I get that card, send it into PSA to get graded at Express for $150, comes back an eight, which then bumps the value to $3,500. So somehow I just flip my way all the way up to this Brady card that's now valued at $3,500 in a very, very sad part of this story. I wanted to keep this Brady forever. It actually won a uh, play of the week on the card talk pod just last week. No, just this week. I just moved that Tom Brady card because Tom Brady prices are high to NFL season, Nuts. but I moved it for a 1986 Jordan Fleer rookie PSA five <laughs> and the flip just does not end. Where's it? Where's the so the Jordan's going somewhere next, and you're going to end up with something else, right? Listen, I'm already sliding in people's DMs that have uh, because this Jordan rookie's a PSA five comps are around four grand, depending on the day. So I'm sliding in people's DMs that have a PSA seven, and I'm like, listen, 
I have this PSA five and fifteen hundred cash. So you know, I and I haven't gotten any pulls yet. Although I had a guy on the line today from um, the Bronx. I told him I said I'll drive it to you tomorrow. Fifteen hundred cash in my pocket in this PSA five, but he said no. But I'm working on him. <laughs> so, so you you can come back on the pod when you you uh, when we hear the finality of the story and it you took the Justin Herbert raw SGC ten all the way to the Michael Jordan Flair PSA ten. That's what I'm waiting for, Rob. Dude, crazy. Have you seen that video on TikTok with the woman that that started with a paperclip and she's working her way up to a house? <laughs> you need to see this, okay? You could look it up on YouTube. So this woman was like, I'm going to start with a paperclip and I'm going to add no cash. It's going to be nothing but trades. And whoever wants to get involved can help me. So she traded the paperclip for like a $4 pair of earrings. So I was like, yeah, I'll give you these earrings for the paperclip. She took the $4 earrings, flipped it in like a $20 like necklace, took the $20 necklace, flipped it. And before you know it, she had a brand new pair of AirPods. Before you know it, she had a brand new MacBook. Before you know it, she had a, a car. Dude, unreal. She, I think she's up now to like 24 flips and whatever she has is valued at like 30 grand. And she started with a paperclip, no cash. And that's uh-huh. what I'm trying to do with cards. Put in the work, put in the work. That's what you got to do. I think it's just amazing that, and I'm sure like throughout this journey and process of the flips and through the you know show and everything else you're involved with, you're just all, you're all in, you're immersed in your learning, right? And that your learning is stimulation and it's motivation to give you something. And that's what I love about the hobby. The, it's just the passion, the energy to keep it going. And I, I don't even know, like at times you probably do stuff and you don't even know where it's going, but um, it's just the journey and the exploration that makes this this whole thing we do fun. Well, definitely. And, and I think being in the hobby and, and, and being so transactional, it, it definitely can take on a life of its own and almost feel like a drug. Like at any given time, I feel like I have like four to six deals that are in the mix in my DMs, like whether if it's a trade, a purchase, a sale, whatever the case. And, um, and you know, just last week I had talked about on my pod, um, I think the importance of taking a step back and reflecting a little bit, you know, and, and, and two steps forward, one step back, because sometimes I can go so full speed ahead that I can turn around and be like, why did I ever move that card last month? Like what an idiot. Why did I think Tyler hero was going to be the guy? Not Tyler. Yeah. I don't own a Tyler hero card, but, but you know what I mean? Though. He's, like, he's at everyone's speed. It's completely understandable. Why? Oh that you mentioned Tyler Unbelievable. Hero. Unbelievable, man. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, I guess I get it. I mean, you know, I, I try not to, you know, I don't, I try not to do too much prospecting. I like to keep my money safe. It's kind of more of a challenge. You know, I hate losing money. I'm too cheap. I'm too cheap. I hate losing money. So uh, the prospecting game is too, and I don't really gamble very much. So other than fantasy football. Gosh, yeah, no doubt about it. I don't know. Like, I think maybe we close out with this, Rob. Any just feedback? You, you, you touched on something there that I'd love to maybe you close out with. Sounds like you're an ambitious person. Um, you run 100 miles an hour. Don't always take the time to step back and reflect. I think that's something that I work through often um just take take a step back and and appreciate appreciate the cards appreciate the people appreciate the process um maybe like lend some advice for anyone out there listening on ways that you're finding maybe solitude ways you're you're helping reflect so it's not just 
hundred miles an hour all the time with cards. Yeah, man. For me, everything's got to be, it's got to be balanced. And, and I think when my life is not balanced, I can feel it. And, and I think sometimes people can notice it before I even do, right? Like if my wife, if I realize like I might be getting a little bit short on patience with my daughter, if I realize that like my, my wife's been pissing me off lately, if I realize nothing right is going good at work, you know, a lot of times it's me. So um, the same thing can be said, you know, for the hobby. So I think just realizing, like you said, man, this is a hobby. This is supposed to be fun. And if it gets to a point where it's not fun, if it gets to a point where it's not fun anymore, and I feel like I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul when it comes to these cards, you know, I need to know when to really take a step back and to reflect. And I think it's so important who I surround myself with in this hobby. Um, because, you know, just like in anything, man, you are who you hang with. So that's why when it comes to the content that I absorb, that I listen to, that I take in, it's, it's content from people that I respect. And it's, um, you know, I don't want to be out here giving advice. You know, I want to be talking about my journey and I want to be talking about my ups and downs and things that I've learned and be interviewing guests that are truly bringing substance to the hobby. You know, um, I don't want to be out here giving advice on who they should be picking up. I love it, man. I've enjoyed uh, the content. I've enjoyed the authenticity. I've enjoyed being on the show and I've enjoyed you as a guest. Before we let you go, why don't you tell the fine people that listen to the Stacking Slabs podcast where they can find you and when your your new episodes drop. Yeah, guys, um, sports card therapist, uh, you know, same same place that you probably check out Stacking Slabs. I always used to shout out Spotify, but when I look at uh, the analytics of it, you know, a majority of the streams come from iTunes. So, uh, so you know, iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. I'm trying to do a little bit better with the YouTube. I'll kind of see where that goes, you know. And I, I've taken a page from from Brett's book, you know, two episodes a week, and uh, my episodes are on Mondays and Fridays. And uh, but yeah, definitely, uh, you know, give me a shout and uh, feel free to say hello in the DMs, man. I I love any kind of hobby chatter. I love, I love it. I love, I love just messaging with people about the hobby, man. It's like, it's, it's my favorite thing. Just make sure if you're sliding into Rob's DMs, you, you give them the mind blown emoji. That's a, uh, that's a, that's a Rob G signature. Rob, thanks so much for being on the show. We'll have to get you back on and talk more cards. Appreciate you, Brett. Thank you. I always enjoy the thoughtfulness of Rob. He's a really good dude. Make sure you go check out his Instagram page. Go listen to his podcast. He's bringing on some awesome guests. You all take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you're not already. Peace out. All the love. Let's go make it happen.